The Athletic. In Paris, the talk this summer has all been about Kylian Mbappe's future. But PSG's squad has undergone major surgery already. Nine new faces, with more still to arrive, including Barcelona's Ousmane Dembélé. Just last night, Gonzalo Ramos from Benfica joined. So, are they preparing for life after Mbappe? And could Neymar still leave this summer as well? I'm Ayoakim Moleri, and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Uh, he's where I born, he's where I grew up. Yeah. To play PSG, it's an amazing feeling uh, to play with your family, with your friends, alongside of you. We're joined in the studio by Adam Crafton, reporter for The Athletic, and also Peter Rutzler, our PSG correspondent. And as I've already said, it's been a summer of transfer activity at PSG. Lots of new faces, and as reported by Adam on the weekend, a new addition. Gonzalo Ramos joins the ranks of the Parisian club. Memories of this guy scoring a hat-trick in the World Cup against Switzerland. And also the guy that dislodged Cristiano Ronaldo from the Portuguese squad. We'll also get to Mbappe in just a while. But Adam, firstly, tell us a bit more about this deal for Ramos. Yeah, we go Ramos or Ramos? I, 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 so I did, the, I did the thing, right? Yeah. Ramos is Spanish. Ramos is Portuguese. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah um, just, just a little, little gem I'm learning. before we get started. I'm learning as we go. Um, so he's one of the few forwards that's been really available on the market this summer at the top end, you know, at the top end of that striker market. We've seen other players go. Rasmus Hoyland has obviously gone to Manchester United. Chelsea have been looking for a striker. They've not managed to do one yet, kind of at that really top tier. They've done Nicholas Jackson and, and Kunku, who's a bit more wide. PSG have wanted a striker, a forward, a number nine, you would say, for like the last 12 months or so. It was one of the things when Kylian Mbappe renewed his contract last summer, he was very keen that the club signed Robert Lewandowski and they didn't manage to do that. They also tried to get Gianluca Scamacca, uh, who ended up at West Ham last summer. Um, they didn't get a number nine in the end, did they? Well, they brought in Hugo Akatike from Stade de Rams. Who's the, the yeah, they brought in Akatike and no one saw him again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> um, though he may, I'm sure he'll get a few more opportunities as the years go on. So, so it's been some uh, a gap in, in their squad that they've been looking to fill. They did put a bid in for Hoyland a couple of weeks ago as well. They weren't hugely competitive. As that bid goes, it was a little bit odd in terms of it was an offer that everyone kind of knew would be rejected, but some sort of statement of intent. And then Ramos, who you know, made a big impact during the World Cup, Cristiano Ronaldo drops out of the team. He comes in, he scores a hat-trick, but then he actually played the next game against Morocco in the quarterfinal, and he actually really struggled in, he wasn't in, that, good, was he? in remember, that game. Yeah. The whole team struggled. People were a bit had gone from being incredibly excited about him to, okay, we're trying to work out what he is. Um, had a very good season for Benfica. He's had a couple of good years at Benfica. And now PSG have decided to make the move. I think it'll probably be worth over 60 million euros. I think it's likely to be a loan deal initially, um, which is all to do with PSG's very clever uh, accounting to make sure that they can comply with financial fair play. But it does mean that PSG, for probably the first time for a while, have a proper number nine, probably since Edinson Cavani. Okay, fantastic. Well, Jack Lang writes about Portuguese football for The Athletic and has kept a close eye on the Hamas development. We asked him what he thought about the move. Gonzalo Hamas is a smart signing for PSG. 
he's a good all-round striker, someone who can lead the line and also drop back and create if needed. My one concern would be that there's only been one seriously good goal-scoring season behind him. Prior to that, his numbers, I suppose, didn't quite match up to the level of excitement. So PSG will be banking on him, building on last season. Joel Felix and Ramos! Delicious hat-trick! Dream the dream, why don't you? In terms of the fit with Kylian Mbappé, I think that's probably going to work quite nicely since Mbappe has made a point of saying he wants someone to play off doesn't want to be the number nine necessarily I think I think someone like Harmush who is you know decent in the air decent passer but also occupies defenders and of course is a few rungs below on the stardom ladder so presumably won't mind kind of feeding Mbappe both in terms of literal passes but also you know a secondary ego in that front line and someone who's happy servicing the bigger name player so yeah, from those perspectives, makes makes good sense to me. Uh, Peter, does this feel like a a player that's been brought in to complement Mbappe? Obviously, we're not quite sure what's still going on there, or a, a direct replacement, albeit I mean, very different kind of players, right? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say a replacement. I think as as Adam was saying, you know, PSG have wanted and needed a number nine last season. They had some noticeable issues with the balance of their squad. I mean, it was quite a thin squad, but also at the top end of the pitch, you had. You had Lionel Messi, Neymar and Kylian Mbappe. It's an amazing front line. But once Neymar dropped out, you had two players that the coach, Christophe Gautier, wanted to play up top and neither really wanted to stay in that central area. So you had Lionel Messi who would drop very deep and Kylian Mbappe, of course, who likes to play off the left. And he sort of made that known, really. He spoke publicly about how with France he can you know, run off Olivier Giroud. And there was an, an Instagram post with a, a hashtag pivot gang, which became a whole scandal in itself. So for Mbappe and for the club, it's about getting in that number nine that they can sort of build around. And to be honest, coming into the summer, it was a case of, right, we'll build around Mbappe and, and do the refresh with him in mind. But that's quickly changed, of course, with, with a lot that's gone on uh, off the field. And another player that I've always been quite interested about his position at, at PSG is uh, Xavi Simmons. Obviously, um, I actually watch a lot of him in the Europa League as I was working for CBS last season. And an amazing player. 19 goals, 8 assists in 34 matches. I mean, that's pretty good. Where, for, where, where are you playing him across the front line? That's a good point. I mean, or do you play him just behind? Based on you having what, seen him, oh, what, right. what, what, what's, what's so good about him? He can take players on. He's got a decent shot on him. He's got a very good pass on him. Uh, obviously, still a bit, fair bit of maturity to play. But actually, I, you, could you see him in that front three or just behind the striker? I don't know. But I think he's definitely got something as either as an attacking midfielder or as a, as, as a wide player. I think there could easily have been a place for him in the squad. You know, we're looking at the refresh that PSG are undergoing at the moment. They need players in the front line. That's why they're signing Gonzalo Ramos. That's why they're signing Guzman Dembele. Marco Asensio's come in. You know, the... There, there would have been a gap there, I think. For the club, it was about getting back in a player that they see as, you know, world-class potential at some point. Needs to maintain that momentum of playing. Is it going to be beneficial to sit on the bench if Mbappe's playing? Um, this is, you know, before <laughs> things, <laughs> things evolved. Um, or is it better to get him out to a club like RB Leipzig and get him loads of games, come back to a team that probably won't have Mbappe in it? There'll be less hurdles for him to, to overcome to become more of a regular starter and maybe kick on that way or the alternative is you know they from a club perspective anyway that they have a top player that they can sell for a, a lot of money so and players are far more likely to 
appreciating value not playing at PSG. Right, like that's the experience of the last few years, right? If you're trying to appreciate an asset, keep them out of keep them out of Paris, (laughs) because I mean, as we as we'll talk about with Neymar, Mm. right? You've gone from having the player who's worth 220 million euros to I think they'd give him away for free at the moment just to get his wages off the books. So he'll take him. That's the question, right? (laughs) Clearly, PSG would never admit, you know, that a player is more likely to rise in value elsewhere, but. That's kind of been been their story for the past few years. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's circle back quickly to to, to Ramos, Ramos, or Hamas, whichever mm. you fancy. I mean, there's a lot of Premier League <laughs> teams screaming for a decent number nine. Chelsea, for instance. I mean, what what are we thinking about this? I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised Chelsea didn't go for him. Man United didn't go for him, and that seems to have been quite a conscious choice in the end. He was one of the players that Eric Ten Hag was talking about. If you go back to actually around the time of the World Cup when he was thinking of possible strikers that Manchester United might go for, as well as Moani, who's playing in Germany. Um, at that point, Hoyland wasn't really being spoken about because he kicked on quite a lot after the turn of the year. So clearly there's something that Premier League clubs have maybe seen or not seen to, to guide that decision. I'm not sure what it is because he's actually at a pretty attainable place in terms of the, the transfer fee in the market. If you're looking at around 65 million euros, that's pretty that's pretty good going, really, in the way this transfer window has been. So I, I'm a little bit surprised by that. But it may also be that sometimes the way it works with, with the really well-known players is that almost each club really knows who they're taking and their player knows where they're going. You know, I think Hoyland Man United has been known for a couple of months. Um, I know PSG put that bid in, but I think they might have done Hoyland and Ramos, if they could, to be honest, rather than one or the other. Mm. So I think Ramos, I mean, the other factor is Luis Campos, who is doing a lot of the recruitment at PSG, has very, very strong connections in Portugal. Um, and if a player is going to be leaving Benfica, then he generally will get will get the phone call. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Clever lift that. Good shot, Mbappe. 1-0 PSG already. Neymar to Mbappe. Mbappe straight to goal. Beautiful flick from Neymar over the top. Let's move on to, to Neymar because you, you sort of teased it there. Um, <laughs> I think it was last night. His dad was obviously calling uh, L'Equipe Le Fake on, on social media. Um, what's the story with where Neymar's at with, with PSG? You've hinted that they'd love to get him off the books, but in reality, this is a very expensive player for anyone to take. I mean, how much is he even taken in uh, a season? I think it's around 30 million net. Which you is... can afford that other than, dare I say, Saudi Arabia, but... 
Well, may, maybe Qatar. Oh um, yeah, yeah, true, true. Uh, <laughs> just, just send them to the mother country, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think PSG would. I mean, it's, it's a strange one in that PSG now have the very real possibility that you lose Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe in one summer, which you know, even if that's maybe the best thing from a football perspective. You could argue in terms of the culture of the club, environment, all of that kind of thing, move on from all the sagas. It's it's a pretty substantial change and shift in mentality in terms of we're going to be the club that, if you go back a couple of summers when they signed Messi and they also signed Ramos, Sergio Ramos and uh, Donnarumma and Hakimi and uh, Wijnaldum, it was like the Harlem Globetrotters of football rocking up in Paris. And now you'd be looking at them a bit and it's like, actually, you might have the makings of a decent team. But as a culture and as, as an idea of what PSG is, it's a huge shift. And we'll see whether that's that's positive or negative. In terms of Neymar, if PSG were to get the opportunity to let him go, I think they'd be open to it. Less clear maybe what he wants to do. I know that L'Equipe have reported that he, you know, he told the club that you know he'd like to leave this summer. The club hasn't confirmed that. Um, but I think the club, you know, have been clearly guiding that they would be open to possibilities. So what are the possibilities? Well, you then become, if it's a club in Europe, I think you're going to really struggle to get a transfer fee because of the salary is just extortionate. But if it's, uh, you know, if Saudi Arabia decide that they want to get Neymar, then I think PSG would ask for a transfer fee because that's the way the market's working this summer in the same way as, I don't know, if Brighton had come in and asked for Jordan Henderson, Liverpool probably would have asked for far less money for, as a transfer fee, but they managed to get a transfer fee because everyone knows they can get one out of Saudi. You've been looking at PSG, Pete, and you've spent a considerable amount of time there. And as Adam's just pointed out, there's a clear cultural shift here, right? And Luis Enrique is sort of at the, at the top of this cultural shift. How much influence, I mean, either of you can take this, but how much influence does he actually have with these new signings coming in to, to PSG? We look back to last season and it was quite clear that Christophe Gautier, the coach, was on his way out. I mean, that was a, a, a foregone conclusion for quite some time. But I don't think his replacement was immediately clear, well, till quite late, really. And so you then look at the recruitment that's happened in the summer uh, and the players that have come in. And a lot of them were brought in pretty much straight away. They were signed, ready to go for when the transfer window opened Marco Asensio on a free transfer Milan Skriniar on a free transfer a player that they tried to sign a year ago and then you also had Manu Agate Luca Hernandez these players have all arrived in pretty in a short amount of time with the foresight um, before Luis Enrique comes in now obviously Luis Enrique is a coach who has a very clear philosophy clear idea of playing style so you're then putting the coach to to marry up with the the squad that's there and for a club that normally, you know, for a club that has a plan, for a club that has a sort of a long-term project, that's pretty normal. You know, Brighton parachute Robert, Roberto De Zerbian because he fits what the club had been trying to do and it progresses them forward. PSG haven't had that. Um, obviously, their sporting director or consultant advisor is uh, Luis Campos. Who's not actually a full-time employee of the club. Yeah, he also consults Celta Vigo as well. So, okay, um, okay. So you have him overseeing recruitment for the last two seasons. He he himself was really an appointment of Kylian Mbappe's sort of choosing during his contract renewal last year. So 
he's overseeing this recruitment to bring in a coach that's going to bring in a whole new philosophy to fit this whole new era. And it, it, you wonder to what extent there is that synergy and to, to what extent that this is all lined up. Now, Luis Enrique has been out of a job for quite some time. He's taken a while to pick a project. He's made the decision that what PSG are trying to do this summer is good enough for him. It suits what he wants to do and he believes he'll have the tools to do it. And he will have come into the job with his eyes open about Kylian Mbappe as well. So that would suggest these things are lined up and that there is a bit more synergy than what you would immediately think from how the, the time process is worked out. But um, it is a really interesting element of how this page turning moment really for PSG actually actually works. What does this then say about Neymar then very quickly? Because they've obviously worked together at Barcelona before, right? So you'd like to think if anyone's going to get something out of Neymar, it'd be someone who's had a really successful time with them at Barcelona. Or maybe he's seen enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's also like several years on now and I think enough man, enough coaches have had enough experiences at PSG where you know, managing some of those egos has just proved impossible, not beyond them as coaches, just impossible. So whether that's, you know, Thomas Kukul or uh, Mauricio Pochettino, it's it's just been too much. So if the club and Enrique are aligned in, let's just move this on mm. and then we can actually get some kind of cohesion in the dressing room where everyone treats each other with respect, everyone abides by the same rules, no one's going off for birthday barbecues midway through the season as has been an issue sort of repeatedly over the last few years um, slight injuries just uh, sl slight <laughs> happen injuries. to happen yeah, at that like, particular time of the season no one's decided you know no one's getting a say in who the sporting director should be in the dressing room I mean it's like absolutely like no other club in the world like I, I still think it's not it's not unlikely that, that Neymar ends up staying I mean I, I don't really see anyone in Europe that would take him. I know Barcelona are always linked, but I just don't see a world in which they can afford him. Afford him, like sell, sell another stand <laughs> of the club <laughs> aside. Like I think that's really difficult yeah. for them. The one that uh, the one that keeps coming around is Chelsea, but I don't think Mauricio Pochettino is in any way interested. I think he's probably seen enough as well. Yeah, and I think certain people at the top of Chelsea have maybe had an interest at certain points in the last year. But I don't expect that one to happen unless, you know, unless we get to sort of the end of August and Chelsea have lost their first couple of games of the season and all of a sudden it's a panic. Beyond that, I think they might be stuck with Neymar and actually, you know, he's worked with the coach before. So maybe also if he's the main man again, as it, you know, if he feels like he's the highest earner, the most important person after kind of being shunted out of the picture a little bit by Messi and Mbappe. I mean, that's what will happen at Barcelona again. Yeah, <laughs> Suarez, yeah, yeah. Messi, yeah, yeah. That was it though with, with Neymar when he initially signed. You know, he was the big transfer and then they brought in Kylian Mbappe in that same window. So he's never really been sort of centre stage. Um, and that was kind of where you think, oh, maybe maybe this is it under Luis Enrique. I, I remember being at the press conference to unveil, him, uh, to unveil Neymar where he was sat next to um, the, pre the PSG president, Nasser Al-Khalifi. And... This is the day they sign Neymar and Al-Khalifi sits there and says, yesterday PSG was worth 1 billion euros. Today with Neymar, we're worth 1.5 billion euros. And it was like absolutely no maths involved <laughs> like, in, in, in this whatsoever. <laughs> but You just plucked a number out of the tree. Like, like, yeah. uh, and... 
But that was the sense of, you know, this is how significant it was. There were kind of fans all around the stadium cheering uh, his arrival. There was this real sense of, of a changing shift in European football away from Barcelona into Paris. And obviously the success just hasn't materialised on the pitch. But I think people forget one, actually Neymar is a brilliant brilliant player when he can when he's really on it we've seen it several um, times country and club yeah actually. but also how how that move was perceived at the time and what it was meant to do and and really you know it's hard to describe it as anything other than a failure since okay well one player we haven't talked about is Usman Dembele the deal's not done quite yet but here's our Barcelona correspondent Paul Ballas to tell us a bit more about the star's messy move <laughs> towards Paris Javi was asked about Dembele's future and some really interesting quotes from him. He said, I saw Usman so happy with the team. I didn't believe this could happen. That's the transfer market. Players who don't want to stay have to leave and we will move on. The Usman Dembele saga is still not over in Barcelona. The only certainty that we know is that he's going to sign for PSG and that the French club can take him for 50 million of euros. But the deal is still not completed, basically, because of how this money is split between the club and Dembélé's camp. According to the players' last contract extension at Barcelona, Dembélé's camp and the club should split the 50 million of euros in two halves, so 25 million for each one. But Barcelona believe that some of the timings and the conditions required for this division to take place have not been made by Dembélé's camp. So Barcelona are now playing hardball on the negotiations. Despite Dembélé travelled last Saturday to Paris in order to complete his signing for the club, he had to return to Barcelona on the very next day and train with the team as the transfer was still uncompleted. This all can last until the 21st of August. Here is when Barcelona is forced and they have to let the player go. And if they don't still agree to a fee or how they split the money with Dembélé, then the whole thing can go into lawyers' territory. For now, it's still negotiations time in Barcelona. Peter, oh, Dembélé, Barcelona, I felt like massive, massive signing. They spent so much money on him. And when he's fit, him and Mares for me, are like two of the greatest one-on-one ballers, uh, wingers in particular. When he's fit, it's phenomenal. Um, and you'd like to think that he was an integral part of what Xavi wants to do with Barcelona. I mean, they've pleaded for him to stay. Let's not forget the contract extension previously that they gave him because they love what he brings to Barcelona. He's still very young. Why is he going to PSG? Yeah, I think there was an element of surprise as well because of how warmly he's spoken about the project with Xavi and and I, you just wonder. I think there's more to do with Barcelona than maybe it is with, with PSG. Um, so he signed his new contract last year, having left the club, brought back in. You have all the, the questions about the levers that they can pull financially. And maybe there's a little bit more certainty there. But also what you find with, with PSG is that it really does have this pull with 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 France stars, with France with French players, um, they want to play for for PSG, um, and I think for Dembélé there is an opportunity to maybe to kick on again in a way that he hasn't done. And I think you mentioned it there. You know, when he's fit, he started thirty seven percent of Barcelona's league games since he's come in. He's a player that you know, his teammates will will rave about what he's like in training and. 
I think it was Martin Brethway who said he's never seen a player like him. Mm. You know, just someone who's played with, you know, Messi. So the talent is there. It's just about finding the right environment to get the most out of him. And from a PSG perspective, this kind of makes a bit more sense, you know, particularly with the context of Mbappe, the, the Neymar context, losing Messi, needing more forward players. Um, that's a terrible stat, the it, 37%. I mean, that is, that's a poor, I mean, that's, that's a really worrying statistic for a, for a player, you know, that we're, that we're talking about to potentially replace three of the greatest players yes, of all yeah. time. Mm. I, I, I do think that's interesting. I mean, it's also worth remembering, like, okay, Barcelona seemed to quite like him in the second half of last season. Spent most of the previous year trying to get him out, right? <laughs> and in this weird relationship be- between them, and it was often quite unpleasant, you know, the way that, much like it is now with Mbappe and PSG, sort of two sides throwing mud at each other a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's someone that, We've all seen him have a good game. I don't think many people have seen him have, you know, one full brilliant season. And that's what PSG are going to need if if they're going to do anything more than the bare minimum, which is win the title. Yeah, but they're putting for 135 million euros, selling him for, what, 50-odd? I mean, that's a massive loss. I mean, I, I mean you, could, you could go through that whole He's still only 26. You know, if we're talking Neymar, you're talking 30 plus, right? He's still only 26. Yeah. It could be worse. Could be buying him for two hundred and twenty million <laughs> and gi- giving him away for maybe nothing. In the case of Neymar, yeah. but you know that whole Barcelona era of it's, this is a fascinating thing. In that Dembele was partly bought with the the money that Barcelona received from PSG in the first place, and how they spe- how they misused that money that came in with Coutinho and Dembele. It's harsh on Dembele because he's, ha- he's had injuries and. The whole sort of culture I'd like to around think the club. He was a bigger impact than Coutinho at Barcelona, yeah, for sure. But you know, when as Barcelona reflect on those investments, I mean, it, it, it was a real disaster. It was it, it was a deal that just didn't work for either club really in the end because Barcelona wasted the money and PSG didn't get what they hoped to get out of it. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. So where do we stand on 10 years of QSI? Um, we've talked about the Galacticos or not so Galacticos, the deadwood that sort of sit in the bowels of PSG right now. New structure, new ideas, new coach. I mean, there's only so many French leagues you can win, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It all depends what people perceive it to be about, right? I think for a long time, people thought this was kind of all about 
giving Qatar boots on the ground in Europe ahead of the 2022 World Cup. And I think certainly part of that superstar strategy of Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, all being at the World Cup in Qatar, all playing for PSG, being all over you know, Qatar Airways and all of that kind of thing. I think that was certainly an appeal. They would always say it's an invest. It was an investment, and, and actually, you know, when you look at what they paid for the club, I think less than 100 million euros. Um, and now it's you know the, you see what clubs are selling for. Wh- whether they'd actually make money given what they've had to spend over time in salaries and transfers and all that sort of thing is a different story. But certainly, the asset has appreciated. You then have all the discussion around you know sports washing and and all of that kind of thing. But people kind of forget that when PSG was bought by Qatar, no one was talking about anything related to sort of Qatari human rights abuse or things like that. A lot of that came after during this building of the stadiums um, and things like that. So I think it's far more around the place of Qatar in the world, around sort of regional security. There's a whole other podcast. Um, they're going to get some investment this year. I think it'll be 10 to 15%. Um, from American private equity. Um, They're trying to do a lot of work on the stadium, but they're in a dispute with the council over whether they can do the work that they want to do. They've got a new training center. um, And they've been saying for probably around 18 months or so that they want to try and build this new PSG with less of a ego culture with... And actually, initially, the plan was to build it around Mbappe Mm. with, you know, this young uh, Parisian talent make him the heartbeat of the team, build the club's image around him. And that's clearly all fallen to pieces, but they're still trying to go down this road of you know, developing some kind of new culture. It's never entirely clear because PSG do one thing one week, the opposite thing the next week, and it makes it very hard to take the idea credibly. But I think deep down there is that intent there. They're just really struggling to get to the destination until they deal with the Mbappe stuff. Can we agree, though, that as a global brand, PSG is actually quite up there now in terms of opening new stores in America? I mean, you, I mean, visibly, you can see the jerseys being worn by so many people now. And based on, obviously, some of the signings they've got across Europe, Champions League, obviously, they, they, they struggle when it comes to certain stages of the Champions League, but they've been to a final. And as a commercial brand... You've got to say, it seems to be working. Yeah, yeah. And Adam sums it up nicely. It's a lot to do with perception. If you're focusing on it as an asset, as a business um, and as a brand, you can see the success. And that's where the footballing criticism comes in because it says you're just a brand. Um, You know, we we look at the way PSG have sold themselves, obviously bringing in world-leading stars, you know, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, what that does for your profile, Um, the link up with, with Jordan, these are things that have really catapulted them. And they seem to have been quite good at getting in front of particularly younger audiences um, in a period where the market's changing, how young people are consuming information online, YouTube, TikTok, all these different elements. That's where they've done exceptionally well. But that's felt like it's been at a cost to the footballing side. So now you're sort of at a juncture where, where they're going, okay, we've long professed to want to win the Champions League. Let's actually get a bit more serious about it and actually build a project but saying that is one thing actually doing it I is, think is that's good. that's a little bit sort of, it's something that's often said about Man United it's like oh they're just interested in the brand right all they're interested in is the commercial stuff actually they should be really interested 
in the commercial stuff. You have to. They should be really interested in growing their audience in Huge. the Far East, in America. That's completely what any football club should be major business should, major business do, let's look at it that way should, major should, should, should be doing now and there's absolutely no reason why that can't run alongside a really highly functioning football operation mm. they've just made really bad decisions from a football point of view so i get why you know you get the ultras saying oh you're just interested in the brand and all of this sort of thing and i get it i get why people sort of jump to that but it's I think it's kind of it doesn't have to follow that just because you're doing well at, at this one thing at the commercial operation that football will take a back seat. I, I don't think it's I don't think those two things are necessarily the case. Um, I wonder if there's an element of trying to get yourself into a position where it's strong enough. I mean, it was one thing being Manchester United and having that sort of you know international heritage and and then you know developing it from that point. But if you're PSG and you're sort of from a more starter position, I think it's. I, I wonder it's like a disruptive strategy. Yeah, because United I, have got the heritage historically. I mean, PSG have always been on the lips. Yeah, like, they were founded it, in 1970, so we're not. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, true, it's yeah. true. I, I don't think PSG had an intentional long-term strategy. <laughs> um, there we of, go. Of, Mic drop of, 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 of any kind whatsoever. That's a standard. Um, <laughs> so, um, Why are we talking so, anymore? <laughs> so. I, I think it's a nice idea. I don't think that's true. I think their strategy is sort of continually changed and, changed and evolving. And, you know, even from last year where they're talking, we're going to build about around Mbappe, young, hungry French players. Okay, cool. Um, and now, you know, they're very happy for it to be known that everyone in the building is calling him King Killian and they've all had enough of him. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a bewildering football club. Well, we can't come this far in the pod without talking about the king himself uh, Mbappe um, wow. Pete let's come to you on this one just give us a little background as to where this all started and where we're at right now God where does where, where does it start where's the where's the actual start well, I, um, you're probably probably best place to begin is the, the contract he signed last year obviously everyone was sort of expecting him to join Real Madrid Real Madrid felt pretty hurt that he didn't join the club in the end. He made this U-turn to sign a new deal with PSG. He held up a shirt that said 2025 on the back, but it was a two-year deal. Um, and it was a two-year deal that came with a lot of power. And part of that was that he had the ability to extend it by a further year if he chose to, not the club, if he chose to. And to be clear, the club, this was signed in 2022. The club portrayed this as a three-year contract. So not only him on the pitch holding up 2025, the club themselves were saying this is a three-year deal. I mean, we all wrote it was a three-year deal, yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't true. It was a two-year deal with an option that he had to be able to trigger. I mean, it was just basically it was misleading. And that option had to be triggered by the end of last month. And Mbappe did not want to do that. Um, he informed the club um, in June that he had no intention of extending his contract by a further year. For PSG, this was. Um, well, it's a bit of a disaster for them. They do not want to lose Kylian Mbappe for free. Best player in the world, you know, the player that they they see as having, you know, as we were saying before, you know, they wanted to build their project around him. <laughs> um, and also they, they don't want to lose him for free because financially his contract at the moment is absolutely enormous. Um, the idea that he could then sit out that contract, join another club for free, then receive no transfer fee for them... Um, is damaging from a financial fa fair play perspective. Now you can see that the money they've already spent this summer uh, as well, but they, they basically turned around to Kylian Mbappe and said, you need to sign either a new contract or be sold this summer. 
and, and let's be clear, I mean, they have they've had their pants pulled down completely here. I mean, it's it's completely embarrassing from a PSG perspective. Have they left the door open for that, though? Can I... Oh, no. Com- com- you know what I mean? Com- they gave them the contract. No, no. Com- com- this is their fault. <laughs> like, right? they, they pulled is- their pants down. This is, like, beyond their fault. Like, yeah. why on earth are you doing verbal agreements, like, gentlemen's agreements that... In this day and age. In this day and age. With so much money involved. With so much money involved, with, you know, the most prized asset who has, for several years, been flip-flopping over whether he's going to stay at the club, whether he's going to leave the club. And you're basically just taking his word that he'll he'll sign another year um, for you. Like, okay, fine, you, you can do that. But you can't get, you can't then get really upset when two when a year down the line and he's got an option, he chooses not to take that option and says, no, but I'm going to see out my contract. I mean, we spend our lives saying footballers don't respect their contracts. And now all of a sudden it's outrageous that a footballer wants to wants to do that um and on, on top of that the way they i mean the way that they allocated the money involved in this deal we talk about like 33 million net i think per year but also the, this incredible loyalty bonus so mbappe who has now gone back on, on his alleged word to do the option is still getting like a 60 million euro loyalty bonus this month because psg put that in the deal right and he was clever enough to say, well, I'm not going to go. Even if I'm going to go, I'm not going to go anywhere till after the start of August. Make sure I get that money. And I think what it's led to is is basically a really, a really quite extraordinary information war mm. between PSG and Mbappe. I think PSG have quite successfully turned a lot of people against Mbappe in, in some ways. I think a lot of people are looking at it and thinking... Like the money involved is quite vul- is actually quite vulgar. You're super talented. PSG have given you a hell of a lot over the last few years. You know they've spent a lot on you. They've looked Macron after you. Macron called you to tell Macron you to stay. You. Politics got involved. This is how big an yeah. asset this is. Yeah, and you know you've got the Olympics in Paris uh, next summer, which he'd hope to play. You can see it all building to this yeah. crescendo. Right? You've got the Euros uh, next summer as well. So you can kind of understand how PSG fans have come to sort of turn towards the club and a little bit away from Mbappe. But when you step back in the cold light of the situation, how on earth everyone at PSG isn't looking at the president Nasser Al-Khalafi and saying, what, what were you doing? Is the Real Madrid, is that, is, is destined to be a Real Madrid, right? Yeah, well, or, or not? I mean, well, look, I mean, we've, how many times have we said over the years that he's going to end up at Real exactly, Madrid? Exactly, and right? he's still not there. And, and he's still not there. And the one thing I would never rule out with PSG and Mbappe is like they, throw, they, throw, they throw mud at each other for months, and then all of a sudden holding up twenty twenty seven, kissing the badge, yeah. or kissing the bat, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think the next month is clearly going to be fascinating because he's going towards the end of his contract next summer, which means. You know, if PSG continue to hold this line, which I think they will for a couple of weeks at least, of you're not going to be involved, right? You'll be on the bench. You're not going to play. You know, a whole season without playing. Enjoy it, right? And I think that will mean that Mbappe is then going to Madrid and saying, "Come on, let's just get this done. Pay that, pay them whatever you need to pay them um, to get it done." I think PSG would probably, despite whatever else that they would be saying, I reckon they take 100 million euros or so. Madrid is probably and Madrid actually when you think about next summer they'd probably have to pay that to him anyway as a signing on fee because he's going as a free yeah. he's going on a free but from his point of view he'll be thinking well I can get the loyalty bonus I've just got 
I can get my PSG salary for this year. PSG will probably buckle as soon as they lose a game and put me in the team anyway, score a load of goals. I can win back over the PSG fans. Then I can go to Madrid and get my big signing on fee and my big and my big salary. I think that's probably what his dream scenario would be financially. It's just a question of whether all the forces come together over the next few weeks and they all just think, let's just get it done. Let's just get it done. I mean, how possible is this MLS conversation? I'd be very surprised, to put it mildly. And I think, you know, we saw with the, the record bid that came in from, from Saudi Arabia, um, extraordinary numbers, you know, 300 million euros, even, uh, even greater for his salary. Um, that's not really something that's on his radar because I think for him in his career, you'll probably think, you know, I'm 24, as Adam was saying, you've got the Euros coming up, got the Olympics coming up. I'd, is this the right environment for me to be playing in ahead of those events? But, you know, it, you don't necessarily rule out that another European club could suddenly go, would you rather hang out here for a little bit? We'll cover the salary. And it doesn't... I think, I think where, it do, where it does become interesting is like, if Madrid do do it, what do they have to do to make that happen? Who becomes available at Real Madrid that maybe at the moment isn't? You know, does someone like Chiumeni who is, you know, very in-demand midfielder over the last couple of years, not the best first season at Real Madrid. Liverpool need a midfielder. I don't know. You just, I just wonder... There's a few more moves that can be made. Yeah, I just wonder so. what the impact is if Madrid have to make this happen. Uh, sorry, if Madrid have to make so this passionate. happen. <laughs> you have yeah. to knock your microphone, yeah. right? Um, Madrid, make it happen. But equally, like, they're going to have to spend that money at some point. And they've, you know, they've sold a lot of players over the years as well still. They've not... They've not spent stupid, stupid money. Obviously, they've done Bellingham, but not a huge amount beyond that. Adam, Peter, thanks as always. Now, remember, you can read more from these two and keep right up to date with all this summer's transfer window activity on The Athletic. Sign up today for just $1.99 a month for an entire year at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.